Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's going on? We welcome you to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We're one second into this podcast. Alex Gellhart is already losing What's going on, pal? <laughs> I was just trying to find something to bring up in Daily Daps again, and I read it, and it made me laugh out loud as the intro music was playing. So, Just like that. Just like that. One second in. The Whiskit from Wisconsin. Losing it already. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. What's up? Um, So are you, are you happier with Westworld now? This is gonna be like Westworld talk. Oh, you know no what's spoilers. funny? I didn't, I didn't watch it yet. Oh. I didn't watch the new episode. After you yet. railed against it I last know, week, I you're know, like, "This I is know. terrible." I, I didn't say it was terrible. This is the worst episode ever made in TV history. <laughs> <laughs> then they come back with what I thought was a really Solid. good, okay. heartfelt, good, emotional episode, and you're not here to. I, I know. I was, uh, yeah. Hey, guess what? You know what? That's my bad. I haven't watched it. Either. <laughs> That's my bad. That's my bad. No, I. But no, I had a duty to watch it because I. Apparently, I trashed the show. You you just destroyed it. You <laughs> said it should be taken off the air. I don't remember Never that. to be seen again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't have producer Christina in the building, but we stay in the SEC. Yes, sir. <laughs> we stay in the mighty SEC. Let's go, boys. Sean Sullivan. Sully in the building. Yes, sir. What's go up? balls. <laughs> Cat sucked. <laughs> had to get that in wow. there. Had, had, to, had, to, had to get the shot out right out the bow. Just, yeah, just right, so, out, right across. I, I get that you guys are conference rivals and stuff, but I feel like, you know, Tennessee has always been a football school, and Kentucky has been a basketball school. Not rival. anymore. Right. Basketball school this year, baby. Okay. okay. All right. I was, I was, I was sort of wondering, like, you know, why. I was about to ask Sully if uh, for, like, the – 25th year in a row of Sully's life is if this is in fact the year of the ball. <laughs> it is the year of the ball. If you get to know football. anything, oh. if you get to know Sean Sullivan every offseason or from whatever sport, you'll be like, this is it, baby. It's the year, year of the ball. Year of the ball. Here we go. It is the year of the ball, but in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> the football team not looking strong this no, year? No, 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 okay. no. Going, right. going 500, but the basketball team. Okay. Every single okay. publication that I've seen so far, it's yeah. a top five team coming into next top, year. So ooh, wow. I'm ready. Spicy. So, okay. yeah. All so right. I'm a little fired up about Kentucky yeah, yeah, and Christina's yeah. cats. <laughs> so. <laughs> We've got a great show in front of us here today. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, a bunch of running backs today. A lot of interesting news certainly out there. Uh, we will give you a roster reset of the NFC West. We're talking about the Rams. 
the Seahawks, the Cardinals. You know, it's interesting. Cardinals are really not that interesting. I don't know. They, I, I was trying to drum up some interesting talking points on the Cardinals. I they have two new people at the game's most important position. <clears throat> I failed miserably. Uh, the <laughs> Niners, who were 6-10 and ten last year, I think is certainly the one of the more interesting teams in the NFL. And this is a overall Sands Cardinals. Uh, one of the more interesting divisions in all of pro football as well. You know we're going to be talking about Jimmy G. You know we're going to be talking about Pierre Carson. We're going to be talking about Jarek McKinnon ad nauseum. And we'll close out your show with a round of daily daps. But we start your show, as we always do, with your top fantasy headlines. Oh, my God, the news! We really do have breaking news. Hey, did you guys know that the Eagles, the Patriots, are playing in the Super Bowl? That is breaking news. Breaking news. News. Dun, dun, dun. Strap in, everybody. Andrew Luck. He's throwing footballs, baby. He is throwing them footballs. I, I, I was I was disappointed by the video of it only because I was expecting some grand fanfare music, like, like, like a 21st Century Fox-like opening yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Like he walks out off yeah. a red carpet. He picks up like a golden ceremonial football. Ticker tape flying. Right, and then he like, you know, yeah. throws a beautiful spiral to T.Y. Hilton or something like that. Like it was just him in shorts and a helmet, right. you know, just – you know, you know what we needed was like some of that fake rain coming down and that ball whipping yes. right through it. You know what I'm saying? That's yes. what we needed. Yeah, some you know, yeah. something that was kind of like any given Sunday or right. something like that. No, no, 100%. Right. We needed a soundstage and the, the whole night. <laughs> instead, instead, it was not some... even an NFL regulation-sized yeah, football it was that he was throwing. <laughs> and it was a little like three-yard out to not even a cur- to, current Colts. To, to Vince Wilfork. <laughs> And Reggie Wayne. <laughs> and Reggie Wayne. Like. <laughs> Here's my question. I, I, I do wonder about this, though, because so he's throwing a college football. And um, I two things I'll say in terms of, like, the overall narrative of it. It's like, oh, he's throwing a high school football. I'm like, bro, there's there's no such thing as a high – like, they use college-sized footballs. It's an NCAA-sized football. And my other thing is – so it, it's almost as a downplay, the fact that he's throwing a football. It's, oh, he's throwing high school footballs. It's like – Okay, but that high school uses NCAA regulation side football. The other thing is, who cares if he's throwing an NCAA football versus an NFL football? I mean, yes, the the, the oblong shape of it is slightly different, but it's basically the same. Thing. Well, and yeah, I, yeah, it'd be one thing if they were throwing that Nerf football around. Yes, obviously, know? if they're throwing a Nerf football, it's different. <laughs> but you know, reading about it in the last twenty four hours or so, okay, people have made the point one. Throwing the smaller football is slightly less strain on your arm. I think yeah. the, the bigger thing with him is that. He threw, what, 20 to 25 passes, I think they said. Wait, hold on. This is my question. Is it smaller? Because it's it's just a different shape. It's a more – I don't know how to describe it. It's it's not as, like, elongated as an NFL. I, can we really not yeah, do okay. this right, right. now? <laughs> I don't you know get, what? You know what? I do you're not right. want to get in you know what? You're right. circumference you're right. Can we, can we start? You're right. Can we talk air pressure? You're right. No. Right. Can we talk about <laughs> air pressure? I was about to say. <laughs> it is having the flashbacks to Deflategate, and we need to move on. I think the bigger part, though, is that – he didn't throw the ball a lot. I mean, yeah. he threw kind of from a static position. It wasn't like he was, you know, 20 running around. 20 to 25 footballs or something like 20 that? 20 to 25 passes, yeah. none more than 20 yards. Um, so it is encouraging because that was the whole thing. We've been waiting for him right. to publicly throw a football. I guess he's been working kind of on the side privately. This was the first time that – In front of media. Right, that, that people got to see it. So that's a, that's a plus. But, yeah, I think the point's been made. There's still a lot of work for him to do. I mean, it's one thing to just stand there and kind of, you know, short toss a little bit with some guys right. versus, you know, 
when you've got you've got to make a call, you've got your JJ Watt bearing down on you, and you've got to escape and somehow you know launch one downfield. So he's definitely a ways from that. But considering where he has been and what we've been told about his progress, this I mean it's it's encouraging, no doubt. Let's give the listeners a little bit of a background um, in regards to Andrew Luck. Well, first of all, he told reporters that he quote will absolutely be playing week one, although I think we've heard this story before. Um, Luck's throwing shoulder has been an absolute mess for the past three seasons now. He played seven games in 2015. He battled with his shoulder in 2016. He did ultimately play 15 games that season, but was kind of uh, in and off that uh, on and off that injury report uh, again and again. He ultimately got surgery at the end of the 2016 season because of that shoulder. Then he had a setback, and he missed the entire 2017 season. The last time Andrew Luck saw game action was January 1st of 2017. That's about 18 months ago, to Marcus Grant's point, which is, hey, listen, when the Texans, uh, Jadavion Clowney, J.J. Watt bearing down on you, uh, can you get that ball out of there and not sustain a big hit? It was 18 months ago this guy has seen game action. Alex Gelhar, I'll ask you this. I'd, I haven't looked at your uh, ranking, rankings recently. But I have not updated them. I need to do that this week. Does anyone in this room have Andrew Luck as a top 15 fantasy quarterback? And if so, why on earth would you do that? As of this moment, I do not. I forget where exactly in my QB rankings he fell, but I had put him because I did them in a tier in his own nebulous tier oh, okay. that had question marks <laughs> for his official number and okay. question. It was QB question mark question mark question mark, and he was overall question mark question mark question mark. Just because it's impossible to rank him right now without knowing more about his final health. Like if he does play through the preseason and it is starting in week one, then he's a top ten quarterback for me. Interesting. It's, it's very easily probably at the back end. Okay. I'd rather still have guys like Kirk Cousins, Deshaun, Rodgers, Wilson, Brady. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but Luck has has reached insane fantasy heights before. We know he's got a cannon. We know he can put up a ton of touchdowns. Good point. We know that Colts team is still rebuilding oh. and is very much going to need to be carried by okay. uh, Andrew Luck again. Well, so, I, mean, I think that's kind of what makes me wonder why, why would Andrew Luck be a top 15 quarterback regardless? Because first of all, he hasn't played in 18 months. Second of all, uh, who are his weapons out there? I mean, he's got T.Y. Hilton and, uh, I mean, a couple of tight ends that are intriguing and Eric Ebron and, and Jack Doyle. But he's got Chester Rogers. He's got a nice little backfield now. But <laughs> like, when oh, when God. Luck was putting up forty oh, plus touchdowns, when Luck was putting up forty plus touchdowns yeah. a year, it's not like he had insane weapons either. Okay, I guess he that's still fair. had T.Y. Hilton. He yeah. had Dante Moncrief, who had yet. We were still waiting to break out. Well, he was a good touchdown maker. I mean, big body, you know, good athlete. I mean, it's I, 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 the threat of Moncrief out there, at least, you know, especially in the red zone, was was intriguing. I, look, to your point, you're right. He he did he did reach some uh, insane heights, right? I mean, even at less than a hundred percent, we know he was not at a hundred percent in 2016, and yet still, and yet still, put up 4,200 passing yards and. 31 passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. That's 33 total touchdowns and 4,200 passing yards at less than 100%. That's pretty good. I mean, his draft price is going to go up. Just just based on the strength of that video yesterday alone. Yeah. Because people are already ranking and people are already trying to, like, figure out where to slot and everybody's trying to get that advantage. Like, yeah. that video alone is going I, – I would guess it's going to knock his draft price up, what, two rounds, three rounds? Oh, easy. Easy. At least? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I, but even still, I just I can't find myself 
putting this guy in my top 15 right. fantasy quarterback. So the year he threw 40 touchdowns. Yeah. Who do you think led the team in touchdowns that year? I will say. It was 2014 for the record. To I will you. S- was, was Reggie Wayne still on that team? Reggie Wayne had two touchdowns that year. No. Okay, so what year is this? 2014. Wow. 2014. Who would have led the Colts in t- touchdown receptions? Touchdown receptions. Okay. Wow. Because they didn't run for many. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who the running so back was. Went, so would it have was it, was the, it? the running the leading uh, touchdown getter uh, yes. on the ground? Yes. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck tied yeah. with ah. Trent Richardson at oh, three apiece. Oh, that's right. Tra- Receiving oh, touchdowns. Tra- Trent Richardson, baby. <laughs> Here's why. Oh, wonderful, Sully. Here's why I'm not too concerned about the, the weapons he has okay. around. He threw eight touchdowns that year to Kobe Fleener. Oh! And eight, <laughs> and eight more oh, touchdowns. God. Eight more touchdowns to Dwayne Allen. Wow. Uh, is that when the, is that when 16 the, touchdowns to the tight end position? Is yeah. that when the Dwayne Allen hype train left the station? Dwayne Allen had 29 catches that year. Eight of them were touchdowns. Wow. I feel like that's when the, the, the hype train really so like, left the station. This is, this is who he threw all those. So the Adoski, wow. seven to yeah, T.Y. Let's go. Six to Amon Bradshaw. Is that the trade for Eric Ebron? Is that what that is? <laughs> that's it. There it is. Uh, six to Amon Bradshaw. Four to Hakeem Nix. Like, end of career Hakeem Nix. Not not Super Bowl run, outstanding catches with Hakeem Giants. Hakeem Nix. End of career Hakeem Nix. Wow. So, like, Luck is the type of quarterback right. who he's going to put up sold. big numbers, and then you're not going to know who needs to catch them around him. You've sold me. Top 12. Let's go. I went, I went for him. I can't put him in my top wow. 15. If he's a week one start, if he's starting in week one, he's a, he's a, he's a QB one in fantasy. I mean, he's making End of guys, I mean, he's making guys like Kobe Fleener and Akeem Nix. Fantasy relevant dudes. Yeah. I mean, if if luck is healthy and the training wheels are off, he's a better option than guys like Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, like that whole. Oh, you like him better than Goff? Yeah, I like man. him better than Goff. If 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 big old if man, if 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 was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. But if if he is healthy <laughs> and he can play every week and he doesn't have to take time off, all right, then yeah, sure. It's just. You know, wow. you know me being the fantasy skeptic. I'm a long okay. way. You know, well, you're a long I'm, way away. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still waiting for him to you know, fall into those double digit rounds <laughs> before I'm taking that, that leap. Goff has two huge factors that make him a, a better, like a, maybe actual football quarterback in terms of just moving the offense than Luck. All but right. that limit his fantasy ceiling. He has Todd Gurley, yeah, who's going to get 50 bajillion yards and a lot of goal line touchdowns. Okay, and he's got one of the best defenses in the league that just got better this off season. Okay, like that's gonna. They're going to control the clock. They're going to limit opposing scoring. He's not going to need to go air it out. Andrew Luck's going to have to still win games 38 to 35, <laughs> which breeds more fantasy success. I see what you're saying. Goff could have an amazing season, but if he finishes with I mean, 3,900 yards, the 20 scoring team in the NFL. I will also say this though about Andrew Luck is that if you are drafting him, if if he looks like he's going to be the starter week one, and you're yeah. drafting him. And I'm not big on, on you know, I'm usually a draft one quarterback sort of guy, but I, I feel like you can't draft Andrew Luck this year and not draft somebody else later. That's a good point. Just in case. And I don't, you know, I don't like banking on guys getting hurt. Okay. But, I mean, let's just be real. Like, it happens. This is a dude who's gotten beat up in his career, who's coming off major shoulder surgery, and, like, to yeah. expect him to have to go out and sling the ball 45 times a game for True. 16 games. Right. Man, that's a lot. Uh, Tampa Bay wide receiver Chris Godwin continues to make an impression during the offseason. Bucks beat reporter Rick Stroud, one of the best in the biz, says the second-year receiver out of Penn State continues to make a lot of plays during the spring. Godwin, 34 receptions last year on 55 targets, 
525 yards, one touchdown. So, again, nothing to write home about, but he only played on 41% of the team's offensive snaps last year, kind of came into his own the last four games of the season. Uh, Adam Humphreys, meanwhile, played on 62% of the snaps last season. If we see that flip or if we see Chris Godwin start to make that jump into the 70-80% range, uh, this is a very interesting player in Chris Godwin. We know how much Matt Harmon, the creative reception perception, loves Chris Godwin coming out Matt of Matt Harmon, State. who's an idiot. Ah! <laughs> Indeed he is. Also the, uh, the Penn State wide receiver whisperer. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Alan Robinson, he loves Deshaun Hamilton. He loves Deshaun Hamilton. He's big on Chris <laughs> Godwin. He is the Penn State receiver whisperer. There it is. All right, so what do you gentlemen think about Chris Godwin uh, uh, going into year number two there with the Bucks? I mean, again, they got Mike Evans as their one, you know, Deshaun Jackson over the top. They, they got a couple of good uh, tight ends as well. Uh, some people seem to be pretty excited about Chris Godwin, but yeah, where does the opportunity come? I love the, love the player, not the situation for fantasy right now. I think he might be a year away from being somebody we want to, like, give the full push on the sleeper front. Okay. Uh, just simply because, as you mentioned, there's Mike Evans still there. There's Deshaun Jackson there, as we're going to get to in a sec in the news when we talk about RB workloads. There's a couple of guys that can catch passes out of the backfield. There is still, oh, by the way, O.J. Howard, who they took in the first round last Cameron year. Bright. Probably going to have a bigger role. Cameron Brait, one of James Winston's favorite red zone targets. <laughs> he loves throwing to Cameron Brait. He loves it. So, I mean, it's a smart con- smart connection. Cameron Brait went to Harvard. So. <laughs> Except that, you know, when Ryan Fitzpatrick, who also went to Harvard, was playing, he right. didn't throw to Cameron <laughs> He threw it's to like, O.J. Howard. You right. can't have, like, two positives on the end of oh, the magnet. Oh, I see what you're saying. You need a positive and a that's negative. Just, that's just science. You. Science. Of course. <laughs> see, if you had gone to Harvard, you would have <laughs> right. known that. Yeah, right. Correct. Right. Good call. Uh, Good call. Good call. But all of those, like, I'm fine in bigger leagues maybe throwing a dart at Godwin as, like, your fifth wide receiver because in the event that, hey, somebody gets injured or Godwin just has a, a you know, a genie in the bo- out of the bottle situation where, like, we can't put him back in. He's too good. He needs to play more. Then great. But right now okay. it's tough to see – how he's going to get any sort of consistent workload that you're going to want to trust in your lineup on a week-to-week basis. All right, there you go. Let's get to some running back workload news, and there's plenty of it. Uh, Greg Ullman from the Tampa Bay Times believes, quote, Jones, we're talking about Ronald Jones, will share the load with third-year pro Peyton Barber and Charles Sims, who will have a chance to keep the third-down role he held last season. All right, MG, my guy Marcus Grant, your thoughts here on uh, former Trojan Ronald Jones. Again, potentially being in a in a pretty crowded backfield there with Peyton Barber and Charles Sims. Um, on the outside, I look sort of calm and regular, but on the inside, like I am freaking the f out <laughs> with this. Like, I mean, we're talking about literally the, this quote is basically saying there are three guys who could yes. see significant time. Yeah, do not want. And I love I love Rojo's skill set. I think he actually is a really good fit for that offense. You know, he's not going to come in. He, he he's not he's not Saquon where he's expected to come in take over this huge workload and really carry the offense. He's expected to be sort of a complementary role player. I think he has a skill set that's good enough to be maybe not a three-down back, but at least a two-down back. But this seems to suggest that it's going to be kind of a mishmash of guys are using there. And, you know, we're missing – the only thing we're missing here is hot hand. We we don't have the phrase (laughs) we're going with hot hot hand hand. approach. Right. But – that's what this seems to be, and so it, it's frustrating. I'm still willing to kind of take a shot in the mid to later rounds on Rojo because I think I think he's got I think he's got sneaky PPR upside. First of all, uh, for me, he sort of tops out at best as a as an RB three. You know, okay. and, and Alex talked about you know the situation with the, the pass catchers there. I mean, and and Rojo fits into that a little bit. 
I just think by the time we get to the end of the season, I think his skills will kind of win out, and he'll start to get a bigger workload. But it's, it's a scary draft proposition right now. Uh, I didn't t- take the time to look at what his uh, overall ADP is right now. Um, I would guess it's in the 50s. Uh, yeah, I, anywhere I think from round four to seven, he's I falling guess, these I guess days. the question is, you know, are you playing for – are you playing for the first half of the season or are you playing for the back half of the season? And and there's and that's certainly definitely two different philosophies when you draft. Um, so, you know, if a guy's, you know, going in the mid-40s, you might be saying, well, look, he's not going to pay dividends until I get to the back half of my season and I'll be fine with that. Uh, Ronald Jones, to me, if you're paying that price in the fifth, sixth round, um, especially given the personnel and given this news from Greg Ullman, I would imagine that you're anticipating Rojo, as Marcus Grant said, <clears throat> to emerge in the second half of the season. I don't know if he pays dividends in that first uh, first half uh, of your fantasy season. We're talking the first six weeks uh, of the season there. This is worrying me a lot. We were starting to talk about a lot last year. Harmon and I had had this conversation a bunch at our desks, but we can't chase running back talent anymore these days. This is – it. this is – Gives me a huge PTSD flashbacks to Amir to Amir Abdullah, <laughs> and okay. you know Fair. we want he's a t- super talented running back. He's got the highlights. He's in a good right. fit in the offense. But oh wait, there's Theo Riddick. Oh, oh wait, yeah. there's Dwayne Washington. You don't have to go back that far. Go back to last year and Joe Mixon. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I was I was on the Joe Mixon's the most talented back in this draft. I was on that hype train. Okay, and maybe he is, but. The situation didn't bear out in yeah. Cincinnati last year. This this narrative may change. I mean, right now is is so much smoke, so many smoke, smoke screens and coach speak and yada right. yada yada. Let's wait and see how all these guys look in the preseason and if they, you know, are seem to indicate that they're going to give Rojo more of a, a featured ish workload. We can trust, but for right now, these are these are a lot of red flags popping up. Uh, Ronald Jones, I'm going to look this up real quick. Uh, is going again mid fifties. Wow. I'm I'm spot on with my prices here. Uh, 56 overall on fantasy football calculator. All right, right there, Bob so Barker. <laughs> uh, Kyle Fredrickson from the Denver Post believes Devontae Booker is currently the lead back for the Broncos, saying, "quote It's a backfield that should feature a heavy dose of Devontae Booker and a yet to be determined second option." He also added that it's a quote likely tailback by committee approach. Um, if you're confused by that, I am as well. Which is it there, bro? Is it going to be heavy Devontae Booker, or is it going to be a running back by committee? But he did make a good point, we're talking about Kyle Fredrickson, uh, that the Broncos, despite appearing dreadful on offense last year, still managed to post the 12th most rush yards last year with 1,000. 852 yards on the ground. But uh, regardless, does the Devontae Booker news uh, from the Denver Post dampen your spirits on Royce Freeman? Alex Gilhar. It uh, my, Just the presence of Booker alone had already dampened my feelings on Royce Freeman. I wasn't one of these people that was coming out and saying, like, this is his job. He's going to get it. Like, I they invested a relatively high, I mean, a fourth-round pick in Booker, and yeah. they've given him work before. I was, sure. I was just more taking a let's-wait-and-see approach because it was reminding me of how, like, Kareem Hunt last year, a lot of people in fantasy were all about him, but it was like, yo, Spencer Ware is still there. Kareem Hunt didn't turn into the Kareem Hunt we knew from last year until Spencer Ware went down with a season-ending injury. Like, had that not happened, right. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer Ware was still going to get a ton of work. Yeah. So 
Royce Freeman is another guy. Um, he's going in the probably a little high for my liking right now. I'd rather wait a couple rounds just yeah. because of the specter of this. And there's D'Angelo Henderson there, who they really like too. So there could be an opportunity for multiple backs to succeed if they skew run heavy again. I mean, they have a little more consistency under quarterback, but right now this is looking like another backfield that that has some workload concerns. There's plenty of upside, but reaching yeah, too high for Royce worries me. I'm I'm, I'm sort of with Alex. I. I I don't know. I was slow to jump on this Royce Freeman bandwagon. Like everybody was hyped about him, and I just—I right. don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. And this—this this is not doing anything to change my mind. I'll tell you what. If uh, if you're if you're chasing value, Devonte Booker certainly has huge. I mean, value just right unbelievable now. value because right now on fantasy going football, calculator, drafted some. He's going undrafted. Uh, I mean, he's it's he has got an average draft price of one twenty six. So. Um, you know, I guess he could in a twelve team league go somewhere in the tenth or eleventh round. So we're talking tenth or eleventh round in a twelve team league. But yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of leagues where Devontae Booker's not even drafted. Meanwhile, Royce Freeman, the rookie out of Oregon, is going around the sixties, uh, somewhere in the sixties there, uh, in your typical draft. So I mean you if you were if you're just chasing value, Devontae Booker has tremendous value. I just just given the 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 coaching, you know, Bill Musgrave over there with the the, the spread option or excuse me, spread concepts that they're probably going to employ. I thought Devontae Booker was more of a power run game guy, especially coming out of Utah. And to me, Royce Freeman fits in this offense a little bit better. So I will give him the nod there. I, I'm I will be intrigued to see how this shakes out in the preseason. But right now, I still give the nod to Royce Freeman. And quite honestly, I'm actually not that worried. I'm actually not that worried because I don't know if Devontae Booker is going to fit if they do go a little bit more spread. I don't know if he's going to be a right system fit there um, at the running back position. As you mentioned, fourth down or or fourth – a fourth round guy, it's not as if they invested a ton of draft capital or money into Devontae Booker. As well. All right, Eagles running back coach and former player, Deuce Staley. I love Deuce Staley. Deuce. He, he told the team's website, quote, I'm pretty sure that Jay Ajayi is excited about being able to go out there and dominate and being able to be that guy, alluding to the fact that Jay Ajayi will be a featured back. MG Marcus Grant, your thoughts there in Philly. Uh, Deuce Staley calling the plays in Philly this year? <laughs> He is not. All right. um, <laughs> I, point. I, I, think, I think Jay Ajayi still will be the lead back. I mean, I think the, the biggest question for me in this backfield is who's behind him? Like, how much work does Corey Clement get? What does Darren Sproles offer? Still have left, yeah. Right. What is he, you know, what, how does he fit into this whole thing? I mean, I, I think Jay Ajayi is the lead back. Now, if you're expecting him to be a three-down workhorse, you know, uh, you know, 250 carry back, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. But, you know, he's still the guy if – in terms of the first, the first Eagles running back off the board, he's still definitely that guy. I still think he's, uh, you know, where's he going? Late second, early third, somewhere. Yeah, so there. early thirdish. Uh, he's got a price in the in the mid thirties. Right. I mean, I I can I can get down with that. I still think I would like to take a chance on Corey Clement just because I think his draft price is certainly a lot better, and I think he's got some some upside there with the things he can do. Right. Um. But. There's yeah. another player that you're going to be waiting on because, again, I think Darren Sproles will get some work at least early in the season, you know, dampening uh, the fantasy prospects for Clement. But not, I, I love the talent uh, and the fit there with Clement there in Philadelphia as well. All right, so Jay Ajayi, again, going in the mid-30s. Um, I'm, I'm interested in that price, man. A high-scoring offense, lead back there, 
Why the hell not? Sign me up. Hey, Pete Carroll told reporters, quote, what has really jumped out is Chris Carson. Carroll then said, um, Chris has looked incredible the whole time, the entire offseason. The, the point that, you know, I look at this and, and you know, you kind of look at it two different ways. Pete Carroll is, is obviously roses and sunshine all the time. And I get that, but we also know his history of competition greater than, greater than, greater than pretty much everything. Um, when I see something like this and I what I saw on tape last year as well, I, not that I, I, I want to get a piece of Chris Carson, but I, I just look at the Rashad Penny price right now, his mid-40s ADP, I can't get on board. Really? I just can't, I can't get on board in, in the mid-40s for a guy that I'm not exactly sure – uh, will be the lead dog in the Pacific Northwest. I feel better about Rashad Penny at that spot than, say, Royce Freeman at his draft spot. That's true. Um, I do, too. I know. I mean, I, I guess that's, you know, I don't know what kind of comparison that is, but I, <laughs> I feel a lot better about Rashad Penny there than I do okay. about, about, uh, about what's his name, Royce Freeman. So Darius Geis, Rashad Penny. Geis. Geis. Geis is going a few picks earlier. Lamar Miller, Rashad Penny. Miller. Miller. Miller going a couple picks before Rashad Penny. Talking about Lamar Miller has been like taking cough medicine. Like it's good for you. I'm just not all that excited. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling I'm gonna start calling this dude like Robitussin or something, man. There you go. Uh Mark Ingram or Rashad Penny? Ooh. Maybe Ooh. Gotta maybe go Ingram. Ingram. I think I might Yeah, I don't know. You make it sound so simple. I don't think it's that easy. Yeah. I think I go Ingram, but it is simple, boys. I agonize. Ingram's job's done. It's over. Okay, so oh wow, okay, okay no, Rashad Penny. Full disclosure here. Obviously, one Sully is a a vol guy, so okay. he's going to be anti Bama the, to begin with. Oh, he's I also, see what you're saying. He's also a Seahawks. He's also a Seahawks fan. So oh, he and Camara went to Tennessee. And Camara. That's right. Camara goes to Tennessee. Ingram goes to Alabama. It all makes it all. It yep. all. It all ends. I didn't up. have to True Detective too hard to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know who has a similar price to Rashad Penny, which I just don't understand. And this is going on a tangent here, but Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle going in the early 50s. Rashad Penny going in the mid 40s. I, I just, I don't, I guess I just don't get it. I, I kind of understand with Sony Michelle. It makes me, it gives me indigestion taking a Patriots running back that high. Yeah, but yeah, that's unproven too. I mean, Deion, Deion Lewis walked out that door with like 200 plus touches from last year. I just don't think Sony Michelle's that guy. So Michelle know. was a workhorse oh, I think in that, college. I think he can be that. Oh, oh he was not. Guy. He wasn't a workhorse, dude. He can well, be. No, he, he can be. I think it's a very similar situation to what AK ran into yeah. in Tennessee. There were games where Michelle was a workhorse. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't an every week workhorse. But no, I mean it's not yeah. his fault. He had another five star running back in his back in the backfield right. with him. Right. I mean that I get, but I mean they generally. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think you, you've Sean, you've watched a hell of a lot more SEC games than me. But mm-hmm. I mean they generally used him as a change of pace guy and a guy, kind of a game breaker type dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But there are stretches of games where it was it was Michelle was definitely the guy, and they went away from that in the Natty, and you, you saw what what he meant to that offense last yeah, year. Sure, is they lost that game basically because he only got one touch and the. A whole third and fourth quarter, so he, he is could definitely guy. be a feature guy, and he can run between the tackles. He's fine outside, mm-hmm. and he's got the speed to break it. But he's also can be a bully and a physical presence inside. Um, going back to the original point of Rashad Penny or Chris Carson again, Chris Carson pretty much an undrafted asset right now, and then uh, again uh, Rashad Penny going somewhere in the mid forties. I just I look at that price, man, and I just I can't find myself uh, to pony up that price for Rashad Penny, who again and again. Listen, I, I, if you've listened to this, bot, you know I love Rashad. I love me some Rashad Penny. San Diego State, this dude was an unbelievable – he was an animal. 
He was an animal as an Aztec. But just, I just, ah, man, Pete Carroll scares me a little bit uh, with the whole running back thing. Hey, by the way, you mentioned Mark Ingram and the Saints. The does anyone care that the uh, that Demarco Murray said no to a workout with the Saints? The Saints, Saints apparently called him. Demarco Murray invited said no. Saints. Why invited him in for a workout? Demarco was like, nah. Well, maybe he saw Adrian the whole Adrian Peterson thing and said, nah, I'm not going to be a good fit there. Uh, according to Adam Schefter, he preferred not to work out with a large group of running backs. Still waiting for the right opportunity and believes he is ready to make a significant contribution in 2018. Oh, I see. Read between the lines. Alvin's better than he No, is. no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. You know what I mean? I think he doesn't want to be uh-uh. some random, you know, change of pace guy. Well, yep. and, and sitting on the bench behind Boston Scott. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like getting seven snaps a game? Like that's not – I don't think that's for DeMarco. But that being said, I mean – what else is out there, man? I, I guess he could wait for an injury to happen. Something will happen. You know, in training camp, he'll, yeah. somebody will bring him in. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's get to the roster reset. NFC West, shall we? Let's start top going to the bottom. Rams led that division last year, 11-5. and I mean, just one of the craziest teams this offseason. They added Ndamukin Sue, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib on defense. That, oh, by the way, to go along with Aaron Donald in an already stout defense. I mean, they traded away some guys, too. But that being said, I, I mean, you look at this defense and so many splashy players, so many splashy names. They've got a great defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips as well, who you just know is going to figure this out. You know he's going to figure this out. And that is a big reason why the Rams DST is going to be a highly sought-after fantasy asset come draft day. All right, so I'll ask you, gentlemen, and I know we're, we're quote-unquote, in the industry, and industry people don't draft defenses, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get it. But if you're playing in a, in a more, you know, I don't want to say casual league, but a competitive league, but not with, you know, people who won't draft, literally will, won't draft a quarterback. Basically people, who, basically people who are starting to log on, like, now. Yeah. July, August. It's still going to be competitive. You're going to get, you know, five or six dudes in there who are really working the waiver wire. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a competitive league. But when is too early to take the Rams DST? What's a good price for them? Are we talking 11th round? I mean, they're going to go. What? With the, what? 11th round for a defense? Get out of here. They're gonna do it. Get out. I, I mean, they're gonna, be, no, they're gonna be gone in a lot of leagues. Don't that do is, it. That's what I'm saying. In the mock, in the mocks, I'm, like in the mocks, I'm doing like the Vikings are coming off the board in round nine. Don't. No, that's what I'm saying. Don't do it. I'm, t- I'm trying to tell people I, to don't do it. I mean, I'm not. I, I, I get. Like, I get I what agree. you're saying. I'm I get just, what you're saying. But is, so what's the obviously eleventh round is too pricey for Alex I'm just, I'm just trying to get a sense here and trying to help the listeners who are again gonna, you know, maybe they want to spend a premium on a defense. Look, I play in a league where you only get eighteen moves on the entire year. You can't stream defense. You can't stream defense. You yeah. can't do it. Um, and so I know the Rams are, are going to go are going to go way early uh, in that league. But again, what's just a even in the standard PPR format? It, it, obviously, Gelhar feels eleventh round is too pricey. Ooh, man, I, fantasy football calculator has him at nine. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Don't do it, people. No, see, here's the. I would actually. You know what? A couple months ago, when we first started talking about this, people yeah. weren't people were sort of sleeping on the Rams. Now they like shot way up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, they're all in. I'm tending to like hold on and wait for like a New Orleans or a Philly. I think somebody the Chargers. like that. The Chargers. Give me the Phil- Chargers. Philly will go early. The Chargers are starting to move up too. People, are they? People are starting to to, to catch on. Man, here. wait and take the Saints, the Bears, the Packers. Even they have a new defensive coordinator. They got a lot of new defensive talent. Like, do not draft a defense early. Even if you're looking at your roster and you're like, wow, I have all my main positions filled. Like, yeah. I guess I'll take a defense. Don't do it. 
<laughs> do not do it. The value you lose from chasing – because also the top defenses fluctuate a lot. Yeah. Yep. The Jags are, are not going to run away with the top defensive scoring thing by like 50 points again or whatever. Right. So you wasting that pick when you could have taken somebody like – Corey Clement, Devontae Booker, Alan Hearns, Richard Matthews, Kenny that, Stills. I, I hear what you're saying, but the count- John Kelly. <laughs> Get out of here, Sully. <laughs> no, I like John Kelly, though. I do like John That's Kelly, That's what's so though. funny. I like John Kelly, though. I like John Kelly. You bring it up, not, but I kind of like, like him, Not though. like AK. All right. Not like AK, but All John right. Kelly. Okay, I kind of like him, dude. Um, but, look, you. I think the counter-argument to that, um, and this is, this is always the thing about, oh, don't draft a quarterback until super late, is – Okay, that's fine, but you know the variance of these players that you're taking in the ninth and tenth round. I mean, th- there's a high probability th- that's a guy you're going to drop. So sure, sure, it's not. But, I mean, taking a rock solid defense is not necessarily a, a horrible thing in the in the ninth or tenth round. The problem is you start at least two running backs in every league. You yeah. start at least two wide receivers, most of the times three, three. Yeah. and you have a flex position. The odds of one of those guys getting hurt and you needing yeah. a replacement right. is so, 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 so much greater there. You're right. So by missing out, so if you take a defense in round 11 or round yeah. 10 or whatever, right. then you have to wait a whole another 12 picks. Odds are like 12 more of those good players are going to be gone. And then your your opportunity of getting somebody with a more consistent workload or an easier pathway to touches okay. is far less. Okay. And and the only thing you're gonna get is twenty points more from your defense in the season long standing. Well, again, and this goes back to this. This is my whole counter argument on waiting for quarterback. You wait on a quarterback if you're playing in a league where people aren't chasing quarterbacks. But if you're playing in a league where everyone's rostering two quarterbacks and literally there, there's five or six guys really working the waiver wire really well, your chances of being able to stream a quarterback drop significantly. Sure, that's fine. The reason the why you same, can, the same with defenses too. The reason why you can wait on quarterbacks though is because quarterback scoring is one of the more static year to year. Yeah, yeah. That has been proven time and time sure, again. Sure, sure. And uh, the the position is deeper. Like that's that's the argument. Like yes, there's an advantage to having Aaron Rodgers. But the difference is not that steep between Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins at eight or right. Philip Rivers at ten. Okay, you know, uh, as a, in, in other positions, and like you look at the this last year, like the defense five through defense eleven were twelve were separated by a mere like thirty points, and uh, even higher, like the Jags had two hundred and three. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen every year. And trying to predict no, which defense is going to do that—that's amazing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is absurd. That, that is amazing. Like the year before, the Vikings were the top defense with 175. The the Cardinals, Chiefs, Broncos, Patriots were all way up there as well. None of those defenses were that high last year. Okay. There's just too much variance. Too much variance to risk taking one that high. Wait until the end. Get a defense. If it doesn't work out, pick up a different one. It's just not as important of a position. The Rams also traded for Brandon Cooks. They let Sammy Watkins walk. He's now a chief. Uh, what does Brandon Cooks do to this offense? I mean, he's going to fill that exact same role that Sammy Watkins did as, as a downfield stretcher. But is it possible that he is more productive, per se, than a Sammy Watkins? Anyone buying Brandon Cooks right now, given his current price? I mean, more productive than Sammy Watkins? Yes. Shouldn't yes. be too hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% buying that. Okay. Um, you know, I I feel like I feel like the dude he's going after Amari Cooper in drafts. What? I would rather have him than Amari Cooper. Bro, what are, what are you guys doing out there? Stop it! Um, <laughs> what are you guys doing? Why why are you taking Amari Cooper before Brandon Cooks? 
What you guys doing? So I'm, I'm looking. So last year, New England, 65 catches, 1,082 yards, seven touchdowns. I, I mean, I don't think that's ridiculous to to see him re- thousand those numbers. six to eight. Yeah, like I think that's fine. Like I think it, that's doable. And, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I yeah. would, like I said, I'd rather have that over Amari Cooper. I'd rather have it over Sammy Watkins. Um, you know, if that's what your if that's what your expectation is, then yes, Brandon Cooks as your like your wide receiver too. Yeah, all day. Brandon uh, Cooks or Alshon Jeffrey. I, I'd rather have Jeffrey. I think. Oh, then I love Cooks. Yes. I, I love Cooks. Cooks the player, and yeah. uh, those statistics. <clears throat> excuse me, 65 receptions, whatever thousand yards. Not eye popping. He did him on 114 targets last year, which was, I believe, a three year low for him. Okay. Uh, he had had 117 the year before yeah. New Orleans, 129. So he doesn't need obscene volume. No. The leading target getter on the Rams last year was Cooper Cup with 94. Mm. Like Sammy Watkins still had 70 re- targets, only turned it into 39 receptions and about 600 yards. But do we really think Cooks is going to come in and usurp Cup and Gurley and Bobby Woods to go over 100 targets on a team that's going to have a much better defense, probably doesn't need to put up as many points? Interesting. Like – He's a fantastic player, and he's going to have some six-catch, 140-yard, two-touchdown weeks. Okay. But in this offense, there's also going to be weeks where he could disappear. That's why. That's my concern with I don't want him or Amari Cooper at their current I, price range. I, do th- I, mean, I mean, I do think – I don't think it's ridiculous to see him come in and, and take over for, you know, pass Cooper Cup for targets. I, I think that's really possible. And now, I admit, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sort of hung up. You know, there's that video that came out a couple weeks ago where, where uh, Sean McVay was telling everybody, him. you see how fast Cooks is? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you see how fast Brandon could like, and so maybe I'm I'm a little bit souped up on that, but I could see him taking over and, and getting a hundred targets somehow in this offense. I agree with that actually. I think I think because of his speed, I and I just think he's a more well-rounded uh, wide receiver than Sammy Watkins was, where he's just going to be. And you got to remember, Sammy Watkins came into the process super late. He did in that in that in that off season. Brandon Cook's going to have the entire off season to pick up a, what is a relatively complex playbook. But I mean, it's not going to be more complex than the system he just came from. So I, I'm kind of interested in what Brandon Cooks can do, given the offense, given his speed. Um, I'll just throw a couple names out there: Juju Smith-Schuster or Brandon Cooks. Juju, uh, give me Juju. Probably Juju. Probably Juju. I'll take Juju all day. Allen Robinson is going after Brandon Cook. Allen Robinson or Brandon Cooks? Give me Allen Robinson. Hey, Rob. Yeah. A full round after is Demarius Thomas, and at that point I'd rather take Brandon Cooks. You know, the thing is, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's not as much of a true number one on his team, at least in the look, as uh, Robinson will be. But yeah. he's uh, – I think, feel like his target share is a little easier to carve out than Cooks is. It just, there's just a big question mark for yeah. me right now. Yeah, there you go. Uh, by the way, again, the Rams were the high-scoring – team in the NFL last year. All right, the Seahawks at 9-7. and seven. Biggest move from a fantasy standpoint is that the team moved on from O.C. Daryl uh, Bevel and oh, hired God. Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> Why? A long-time Jets offensive coordinator. He hasn't actually, we're talking about Schottenheimer, hasn't been an O.C. since his last year with the Jets. In 2012, there's a reason why. Let me go find the tweet. I mean, that's he, five. That's, uh, that's you know six years ago. Keep killing. So they they they, they brought in they brought in Brian Schottenheimer as their OC. They just brought in Ryan Grigson to fill some role or other in the front office. Well, that's probably how he ended up there because Grigson, I think, hired Schottenheimer to be the quarterbacks coach. Seahawks. That was his most recent position was Seahawks. W Y D. I don't know. <laughs> I I honestly don't know. Why, why would you bring in? Brian, I just don't understand. I mean, unless they want to get – look, I, I, they had – there's been a lot of rumblings that they want to get back to more of a – All right. 
you know, conservative ground and pound approach offensively. And I found Schottenheimer it. would fit that. Here are Schottenheimer's offensive finishes in total yards most recently. Total yards. Here we go. 25th, 26th, 16th, 20th, 11, 25th, 23rd, 30th, 28th. And then going back to college before he jumped to the NFL, 83rd with Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, the, the one year that he did well – uh, offensively with the Jets was the year I, I'm, I I didn't even see that, but I will assume it's 2009 when Brett Favre was the quarterback for the Jets. Uh, I'd have to look. 20, I actually 20, think it might have been the Mark and, Sanchez year yeah, when they went to the championship game. 2010, but yeah. they had a still like uh, dynamic uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. They had like Thomas Jones. Ooh. I think that was the year they had Santonio Holmes. So it wasn't like a Dustin Keller was probably healthy that year. Well, I'm pulling all these names. Hell yeah. Look at you, bud. But uh, it was like, it wasn't a like, holy cow, star-powered offense, but you're like, there's a lot of good players on that offense. I get you. Um, I don't know, man. I just, like I said, I'm with you guys. I don't don't quite understand the move, but I do think they want to get a little bit more conservative with their overall offense. If that's the case, I mean, first of all, can you really do that with Russell Wilson? Can you really put reins on him, I guess, is what I'm saying. I mean, you I mean can. he's just going to do whatever he wants to do, right? I mean, you can. You will completely handcuff your entire offense because he kind of is your entire offense. I mean, yeah. letting letting him freestyle and do what he does is what makes the Seahawks successful. And so if you try to you try to lock him in or rein him in, you're, you're going to you really going to hamstring your whole offense. Braylon Edwards was there that year and led, led the team in receiving yards. He was wow. the one name I forgot. But Santonio Holmes, Dustin Keller, Jericho okay. Cotchery also had a solid year that year. Yeah, wow. But this is – it's sorry, Sully. I know this is your, your sea chickens over here, yeah. but does not excite me. I'm a little worried about the Seahawks offense outside of uh, Russ and uh, Doug. Okay. Okay. I mean, we had talked a little bit about Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. And that offensive line is still terrible. They they did address it a bit. A and bit? I, yeah, but... Okay, I mean, yeah, they didn't make massive overhaul. You're Cable's right. Cable's gone. That's kind of a good thing. I was going to say, isn't that a good... That's a yeah. bonus, right? That's a plus. He's down He's down in Oakland trying to turn D-Lyman into O-Lyman. <laughs> so. Why do they... Why? How is no, that? You could just do instead is just draft, draft off the line. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand that mentality oh, at all. Well. The LOB is RIP. Richard Sherman left Seattle going to San Francisco. Cam Chancellor still injured. His future as a player, uh, not just as a Seahawk, but as a player, is still in doubt. He's got that neck injury. Earl Thomas holding out. He could still be traded as well. Cliff Averill cut. Michael Bennett is now in Philadelphia. The Seattle defense, from a DST standpoint, I don't know, probably not going to be drafted. Paul Paul Richardson left in free agency. He went to Washington. The team signed Brandon Marshall. No one cares. Uh, The Cardinals at 8-8. Last year, I, I I saw the record for the Cardinals last year, and I was shocked. I thought, thought they, they were eight and eight. Yeah, that they were eight and eight. I thought they were just garbo last year, and yet they were somehow. And and, and praise all to, to to Bruce Arians for getting dragging this team to eight and eight. That's pretty impressive. Uh, David Johnson comes back from injury. That's obviously the biggest, I guess, off season well, addition, quote unquote, say. back since he's holding out. He's not showing up, <laughs> not showing up to uh... right. pay this man. Pay this man. Uh, the team added not one, but two quarterbacks. I guess technically they added three, but whatever. Sam Bradford, free agency, the starter for now. Uh, they also drafted Josh Rosen out of UCLA. Uh, so they did add a lot of, um, you know, capital into their quarterback position. That's good. They also drafted Christian Kirk 
at wide receiver out of Texas A&M. Um, again, David Johnson coming back. I, I just feel as if it's hard for me to figure out where he's going to go in the first round. He is going to go in the first round. Top, yes. top four. He's going to be a top four guy? Probably. PPR, no question. Yes. I think PPR, no question. This guy's going to get a lot of work uh, in the passing game. But um, I guess no one's going to take him in the top three, right? Maybe. I'm sure, I, I'm sure in some Le'Veon ways they probably Bell. will. I mean, look, I, I've, I've well, gotten – It'd be I've him gotten, or Zeke is, the, is what it would probably be. Because you okay. go Bell, Gurley, yeah, and then Bell, if Gurley. somebody has a preference for David Johnson, thinks he's going to get that 1,000-thousand. I mean, look, I've, I've still gotten tweets asking me if it's still if it's still David Johnson, no matter what. My answer is like, no, not not this right. year. It's it's definitely preference. Okay, but I could I could see him going top three certainly. How about this, David Johnson or Antonio Brown? PPR. Antonio Brown. Me too. Yeah, me too. Maybe it's tough. Maybe okay. So here's the upside though for David Johnson. I mean, aside from obviously him being ridiculously talented and being not only just a featured back, but like the featured offensive piece there in Arizona. Right, right. So last year, you look. Uh, the the leading ball carrier was Adrian Peterson with 129 carries, and he got there midseason. Right. Yeah. So he only played six games. Six games, 129 carries. Um, he he led the team in carries. The leader in targets, no surprise, Larry Fitzgerald, 161. That's crazy. The next closest was Jerron Brown at 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. But I mean, like that's. Nearly- <laughs> Gap of almost a hundred targets yeah. between the two of them. Just, yeah, David Johnson's going to slide in there and he's going to get the ball a lot. Yeah, it's just I'm and I guess, you know, they're still theoretically probably gonna be playing from behind and you know, David Johnson. I mean he was catch up work. He was matchup or not that he was game script proof last he was, you know, two years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he it didn't owned, matter. He owns such a large share of that offense, it didn't matter what the score was. All right, there you go. Niners at six. Wait, real quick, Bryce yes, please. Bell, Bryce Butler, the other name to circle. Uh, I think he's got a better chance to come in and be the number two next to Larry Fitzgerald as opposed to Christian Kirk. True. Talked about it when we did the deep sleeper true. segment for the draft kit. True, but, true. Uh, just worth circling because br- nobody is targeting Bryce Butler right now, and I love just grabbing Completely him around 14, 15, you know, right before I take my kicker and my defense at the end of the draft like a sane person. Anybody taking a late, late, deep league shot at Ricky Seals-Jones at tight end? RSJ, that's I mean, because they were really hyped on him at the end of last year. He made a few plays late in the season. Good athlete. We kept hearing all this hype coming out of the yeah. desert about Ricky Seals-Jones. You're right. You know, when we've talked about tight ends. We've talked about Trey Burton, David Njoku. We can go down. We haven't mentioned RSJ. Well, I think Jermaine, I think he Jermaine will Gresham still, is still there. Is he, he is not? Still yes, there, but I, I would I would also say I mean at that point if you're I don't think you're I don't you're think probably not drafting him yeah I don't think anybody's drafting him they're probably gonna wait and see uh, post draft I mean outside of the deepest of, I mean we're talking 16 teams and just a bunch of rounds I mean you know I think it's gonna be a wait and see approach for most yeah, drafts I think he's a good one good one to be a stream candidate yes like, look at him you're on right. waiver wire yep there it is the Niners last year. Last place in that division, six and ten, but I don't think anybody's anticipating them be last place this year. It all starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. He was signed long term, five year, hundred thirty seven million dollars. Um, it's a great move, real and in fantasy. It all starts with Jimmy G. All right, so given well, let's start with Jimmy G then. Where do you take him in fantasy and you know, where do you kind of value him uh, in terms of quarterback value? Well, one, I'm, I'm never getting him because he's going way earlier than I ever thought he would. Um, you know, I mean, I'm still coming off the board in the you know sixth, seventh, eighth round right now. People, yeah, you're people right. are really the 49ers are everybody's new favorite fantasy offense. Like that's the one everybody's you know uh, Garoppolo, 
McKinnon, Garcon, you know, George Kittle's getting some love at tight yeah, end. Yeah, that's right. Um, they're everybody's new favorite fantasy offense. And so because of that, you might have to reach for some of these guys earlier than you would want. And so, like, because like, if, if I'm going to – if I when I make the decision to go early and get a quarterback, yeah, you know, then I'm ending up with, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Cam Newton, uh trying to think who else I'm getting in these drafts. But, like, Garoppolo just ends up going a little earlier than I want. He's a quarterback eight off the board. Right. Or if I tend to wait, which is generally what I do, then I'm, you know, I'm waiting and he's he's gone by then. So, I got to be honest with you, man. You look at the top five, there's a – I don't know, man. It, it's interesting to me. So, it's Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees are your top four guys. Russell Wilson's your top five. After that, there's a lot of variants and a lot of uh, players that there's a lot of question marks. Carson Wentz. See, Cam Newton going seven, I, I, I probably would l- want to lock that in. That's not bad. Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of question marks. Kirk Cousins is going after. Jared Goff, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan. Jimmy G's going ahead of Kirk Cousins right now? Right now, which that's, I, that's I, crazy. I've been, I've been, I mean, they're very close. But I've been they're jumping, very close. I've been jumping on Kirk Cousins. Like, when I when I go earlier for quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins has kind of fallen in my wheelhouse and right around round. And when you're saying earlier, you're saying round seven, eight. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think I went in round six for one in a mock draft. Okay, but seven, eight, something like that. And yep. Kirk Cousins falls in my lap, and I am perfectly happy with that. I agree. Uh, there are reasons to be really excited about Jimmy G, though. Is he came in, he won all four, five games with the team. Okay, uh, he had one of the highest percentage of uh, drives ending in a score. Yeah, um, field goal or touchdown. In his five games, the uh, San Francisco 49ers offense had 369 or more total yards in every game. They only did that three times. By the way, one of those teams was the freaking Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, and he carved them up. He did. That was the lowest total yardage he put up against them. But he, uh, he had a three-touchdown game, though, he, uh He put up 44 points against <laughs> the Jags. Come on, dude. Uh, <laughs> and they did, They only did. They only hit that yardage mark three times in the 11 games Jimmy D, G didn't start. Yeah. So, like, he came in, and there was an immediate, yeah. noticeable impact on the offense. Pierre Garçon wasn't even there. I mean, right. he was slinging it to Trent Taylor and Marquise Goodwin. Like, Marquise Goodwin saw a huge Huge bump. So he's going to have better weapons around him, a good situation, year two in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's when we saw him. Top 10 Ryan. fantasy quarterback? I think he's a top 10. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, running back room now. Carlos Hyde let go. They signed Jarek McKinnon, as we mentioned, in free agency, a four-year deal, $14 million guaranteed. A lot of folks reporting it as generally a one-year deal. Uh, everyone seems to love J-Mac going into 2018 his price is skyrocketing in 2017 mckinnon put up 570 rush yards 421 receiving yards that's a bunch of receiving yards man he caught 51 passes last year he was a top 12 running back in receptions and i believe uh receiving yards as well although i might have to fact check that but he was definitely in top 15 in regards to um receiving yards at the running back position by the way his 51 passes uh more than deshaun jackson who had 50, more than Amari Cooper, who had 48, which is just, wow. that's that's something. <laughs> that makes me sad. That is something. <laughs> that is so interesting. All right, so Jarek McKinnon, uh, certainly a PPR darling. A lot of folks really, really, really like him. Um, I round gotta, three. Round three. Round three. Round three. We okay with the price round there? Round four, round three. Uh, I'm fine with round three. Uh, I really am. Um Although fantasy football calculator, he's going end of round two, which is fine. Yeah, he's he's been climbing. I got him 
uh, you know, we did our mock draft Mondays a couple weeks ago, and I was I got him like the second pick, second or third pick of round three. So okay. I I was able to like like I said I got lucky. I got Devonte Freeman at the end of round two, two McKinnon yeah. in round, which that's not bad. I propose nothing. Getting Devontae Freeman late second round is like my new favorite thing. Okay. It's happened to me in a bunch of mock drafts. Yeah. And for him to just be sitting out there late in round two, to like that is my new favorite thing Love it. everywhere. 100%. Uh, for the record, McKinnon 12th in receiving yards among running backs last year. Okay. Boom. There it is. Um, so so generally, you know, uh, I think the overall price, I think, for him is, is certainly interesting. I think in standard leagues, I think he'll – you know, be obviously not quite as valuable. Who else is there in the running back room there for the San Francisco 49? I guess that's my... Matt Breda. Matt Joe Breda. Williams. Joe Williams. Still. I just... Okay. All right. Well, maybe that's why people are getting excited. I don't know. Uh, Pierre Garçon comes back from an injury. He was placed on IR last year with a neck injury, remember? Marquise Goodwin stepped up and stepped in. Uh, he really emerged, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo, as we mentioned. 962 yards last year, so just shy of 1,000. He only had two touchdowns, which actually uh, surprised me, but... But they saw enough of them, the San Francisco 49ers did, to sign him to an extension. Meanwhile, Trent Taylor just underwent back surgery, although it's being called minor. I don't know how back surgeries are minor. Minor <laughs> surgery is what happens to other people. <laughs> but he had a minor surgery on his back. He is expected back by training camp, but we shall see. Of those wide receivers, if Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 10 guy, one of those guys certainly has to have value. Pierre Garcon, Trent Taylor, Marquise Goodwin. Who do we like here in that wide receiver room? I'm not uh, in on Trent Taylor right now, also because they seem to they drafted two guys who That's true. could be replacements for him. Uh, Dante Pettis and uh, who was the other guy they took? Oh, Richie James out of Middle Tennessee. The Pettis uh, Dante surprised me. The Pettis one's a bigger the one. The Pettis one surprised me a little. Um, but if Trent Taylor's having back surgery, it could True. explain why they went and got another guy who they really like. Uh, Pierre Garçon, I think, is a great PPR option. We know his track record with Kyle Shanahan, and if you've been following fantasy football all the last few years, you know very well how Pierre Garçon had his career year: 113 receptions or whatever, 1,300 yards right. under Kyle Shanahan. And I think Goodwin's a fine uh, later round pick. Garçon, you're going to have to get in the middle rounds. But other than that. George Kittle at tight end, maybe late as well. Yeah, um, but I'm not. I'm not diving too deep into this uh, pass catching corpse here. Yeah, he he. Kittle feels like another guy that you know you want to circle on your uh, free agency. You know what I'm saying? When mm-hmm. when, when the waiver wire uh, clears up, you kind of want to circle him. But he just feels like another guy that you're probably not going to draft at least. Um, uh, you, you know, in a typical 12 teamer, or even in, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not in a 10 teamer. But in a 12 teamer, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yep. All right, so there you go. That's the NFC West. We dive deep into that. Let's close out your wait, show. Wait, what? Go, first, first, please. I, th- just you know, because time is a flat circle, I want to start you know be in where we started. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this tweet just came out from George Brimmer, who is the Colts beat writer for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. <laughs> Andrew Luck also <laughs> threw a little deeper wheel route to rookie running back Jordan Wilkins. Uh, so not only is he throwing deeper, he's wee, throwing wee, to wee, actual wee, Colts wee, players. Hey. It's go. on. It's on and All popping, right. baby. Let's round round, round 10 or bust. Here we go. Let's go to daily daps, please. <laughs> daps, 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 daps. Now we're talking no, about no. dog bites and <laughs> dipping. <laughs> daps, 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 daps. You know, if you like creepy rabbits, uh, this movie's for you. What a degenerate are Godzilla you? is down there. This is why I love this group of guys. We're like, ah, whirlwind. There it goes. Boom. All right, here we go. Daily dap time. We'll start with you, MG. My guy, Marcus Grant. What you got? Uh, well, I mean, I, I got a daily dap the Golden State Warriors, and I know that they have become kind of the the villains, the heels of the NBA. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Which is sort of – and so 
one, I doubt that because that's the team I grew up loving, and I really, for a while, never thought they would win a championship in my lifetime. So to see them win three in four years is sort of amazing. And I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that they are the heels of the NBA because for so many years they were just the team that, you know, I was just happy Everybody for them to make the playoffs. It. Right. Like, you know, they, <laughs> the best thing we had is like when I was a kid, it was like the Warriors were the team nobody wanted to play in the first round. Like, that was the best thing I could hope for. So, um, uh, you know, congrats to them and what they've done. Also, congrats to them for, like, Doing it up big with the parties. I mean, so apparently, <laughs> apparently they spent they spent four hundred grand on the locker room party after Game Four, in terms of like booze and everything they brought in. How do you spend four hundred on the what? Well, okay. To top that, they spent apparently half a million dollars. Half a million for the booze on the bus for the parade that they had on Tuesday. Oh and they <laughs> ran and they ran out of Hennessy too. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna right. say I saw that. And that's just yeah. for the. Bus. So that's not whatever after parties or whatever they have. So they dropped, know, they dropped nearly a million bucks on just those two events alone. I really, I really call into question how. I mean, how are they alive? Because if you're going through <laughs> well, a million dollars I mean, worth of booze, did you see Swaggy P at that? He might not be alive anymore. <laughs> He's a designer. You guys see OV too. Speaking of, of uh, yeah, yeah, Alex Ovechkin has gone. He's done it big. Oh since yeah, then. He's done it yeah, big yeah, too, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so happy half, for him, half man. Half of that for, for those guys. <laughs> I'm so happy for him, man. Yeah, I, mean, I don't follow to. hockey very much at all, but, I mean, that guy's been through some trials and tribulations and, and certainly one of the best players in hockey. And mm-hmm. for him to finally get the cup, that's really cool, man. So, Especially yeah. sticking with one team. He didn't go chasing anything. He didn't anything, go chasing anything. anything. Um, oh, but real quick to finish. Like, yeah, so yeah. the the menu of what they had okay. uh, in terms of bus booze, as they're <laughs> calling it. Okay. Uh, Luke Belair Rare Gold, which I assume is some sort of fancy champagne, champagne I guess. Okay. Luke Belair Lux, Luke Belair Rose, Vuve Clico, Hennessy, which as you mentioned they ran out of. <laughs> but my favorite touch here, yeah, Aisha Curry's passion fruit rum punch and pineapple margaritas. Like so, they spend who's they ordering go, that? They go big on all these like fancy champagnes, and then like I just imagine yeah. Aisha Curry giving Steph like a giant Tupperware thing full of like rum punch. Yeah, right. <laughs> just apparently, passing it around on the bus. Luke Belair Gold is only like a. Thirty to forty dollar bottle of oh, champagne, which means they bought a lot of bottles of that champagne. <laughs> but, <laughs> Same for the. I the, guess, that, the but see, that's what I'm saying. Like, how, it's not like a football team. You know what I'm saying? This, it's a basketball there's team. Like 20, there's like twenty. There's like 25 dudes. There's like twenty five dudes. <laughs> I mean, if we're including the coaches that's, and that's stuff. if we're including the coaches, right? Right. So, like, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, if you get all the PR staff involved, I guess it could run it up. But man, how are these guys alive? Yeah. Uh, Daily daps to uh, an eight-year-old girl from Japan. Her name is Yoyoka Soma. That was so awesome. Video was that great. video was so, so cool. awesome. I just she watched it back here. She is a straight-up drumming prodigy. Unbelievable. If you haven't seen the video, please go find the video. Again, it's Yoyoka Soma. Uh, she covered the drumming parts for Led Zeppelin's Good Times, Bad Times uh, for a contest called Hit Like a Girl, which is a global contest for female percussionists. She's a prodigy, straight up. And it's so interesting, man. You know, you've seen prodigies in piano, violin, um, all these other instruments. You don't really see drumming prodigies, especially female, which is why they have this contest to try to, you know, because uh, no eight-year-old kid wants to sit at the back of the band and not be seen all night long. It's it's <laughs> it, it's not only that. It's not only that, but uh, as the only, I'm the only dad in here, right? It was you know, the dads. Yep. As the only dad in here, I will also say, uh, my wife and I were talking about this. I don't want to buy my kid a drum set. 
Because you don't want to deal with all that. That's noise. exactly <laughs> right. Damn right. I don't want to buy my kid a drum set. I mean, even at eight, I'd be like, nah, we're good. You know, like, <laughs> let's find you some kind of instrument that you could put some head. Like, if you get them a keyboard and they play the piano, they could, you know, knock headphones on the headphones down. and leave me the hell alone. When is you can a, buy when, the electronic pad ones, though, where you can have that. But what about the yeah. cymbals and all that? When you know is, what I'm uh, they have the whole set Oh, does it? Yeah. When is right. Toddler you know Co? I'm going to look into that. When yeah, is Toddler Co's that. birthday? Because, okay. Alex, maybe we should chip in. We should chip in. I like this idea. Oh, my God. Yo, Yoka Soma. I'm telling you, man, this video, if you haven't seen the video, I'm telling you, man, this video is really cool. It's really, really cool. Um, I highly encourage you to go find this video. It's really, really cool. Whiskey from Wisconsin. Uh, all right, I've got three daily daps. First Go. one, I saw Upgrade last night. Upgrade. Uh, it was kind of like an indie movie from Blumhouse, uh, sci-fi. Okay. Basically, this guy uh, gets a chip implanted in him and because uh, he's a quadriplegic, and then the chip is kind of sentient, and it allows him to fight and do all this really cool stuff. So he goes okay. to try and get uh, vengeance for his uh, murdered wife. It's kind of very by is the book. on Netflix? No, no, it's in oh, the theater. It's in oh, theater. It's uh, kind of by the book, but it's uh, it's very fun, well done, classic okay. like Blumhouse, getting the most out of uh, as every dollar they have. Um, so I would go check it out. It's just kind of a fun like counter programming thing right now. If you're like, Great. I don't want to see Ocean's Eight. I'm tired of franchise. I don't watch Jurassic World. Like, go see Upgrade. Hey. It's fun. Okay, there you go. Um, second one goes to okay. my friends Chris and Lauren who got married this past weekend, and they made a uh, for their wedding video. They made a drunk history of how they first got together. So they each got smashed and uh, told the story separately. That's pretty cool. And then they had uh, their friend, and because this is Hollywood, their friend used to be J.J. Abrams' assistant, <laughs> and she's a she's a talented director, so she directed it. <laughs> Only thing she like could a, say in Los Angeles. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> like, I mean, like, what? So that's like, it's like, they didn't just, like, home video it. It's, I thought that's what it was. It's a legit production. Oh it's super fun, super that's well great. done. It's super funny. Lovely. Uh, I have a cameo in it as oh, well, playing good. myself, because I was friends with both of them in college. So okay. congrats to them. Check out the video. I tweeted it on Tuesday if you want to see it. And then third, uh, Daily Dap goes to Anthony Bourdain, um, who <sighs> passed away uh, last week or was it this week last now? Week. Last week now. Um, That's right. Who's an, an awesome personality, uh, just kind of like the whole way he, he viewed life and food and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and it was sad that he, he passed um, via suicide. Just a reminder that help is out there if you need it. But there was right. a great quote somebody surfaced. And Sully, I apologize. You're going to have to go get a uh, bleep this out later because I need to give <laughs> it the full context. Okay. But Somebody asked Anthony Bourdain about uh, craft beer culture because he was getting flamed online from beer snobs. And this this. quote uh, was, yeah, I think you saw this and retweeted it, and I I loved it as well. So he said, uh, he'd say, they're his angriest critics. He said, I get from people about shows are when I'm drinking whatever convenient cold beer is available in a particular place and not drinking the best beer out there. He goes, you know, I haven't made the effort to walk down the street 10 blocks to the microbrewery where they're making some Mumford and Sons IPA. <laughs> People get all bent about it, Mumford but look. Mumford and Sons IPA. I, I just love that. Says, but look, I like cold oh. beer, and I like to have a good time. I don't like to talk about beer, honestly. I don't like to talk about wine. I like to drink beer. If you bring me a really good one, a good craft beer, I will enjoy it and say so. But I'm not going to analyze it. So I just loved 
that. And like, I, I love good <laughs> beer and we, we drink beer together all the time. Absolutely. But I've also kind of gotten, I've grown into this oh like God. Bourdain area as well with my beer. I'm just like, think, you know what? I just, just give me, give me I, a good one. I, feel I don't like, care. I feel like there has been so funny. a little bit of a craft beer backlash. Or like a reckoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a reckoning yeah. maybe, not yeah. a backlash. Not backlash, but it's like, just sort of like, a, I think people have kind of gotten overwhelmed by the sheer amount of volume. Out of yeah, it's it So now it's like, no, you know, no, I'm, it just gonna, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink what I like and to hell with the rest of you. They're getting too cute with it sometimes. I'm like, you don't need to reinvent the beer wheel. Beer is good. Like, it, it exists. <laughs> on its, it its own. It has existed for thousands of years because it is good. Right. Don't right, put right. Fruit Loops in it. Just give me a beer. <laughs> so that's that, you know, Daily Death to Anthony Bourdain and yes. the life he lived. I saw that um, Parts Unknown got extended on Netflix. It was supposed to leave, and because he passed, they left I watched it a bunch this so weekend. So if you've never seen any of it, just go. Just watch uh, them. He, he was an awesome personality, and, and it's sad to have seen him leave. So I'm also sorry, Sully, for having to bleep out that. But okay. <laughs> effing Mumford & Sons IPA. Just I like it. I was That like, killed me. I was crying at my I desk. Know. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so great. All right, Sully, close us out, baby. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll piggyback off of that one. Dabs to Bourdain. Uh, definitely one of my favorite guys ever. Uh, he, he's always been on that list for a lot of people where he's yeah. like, if you could have a, a, a beer or a dinner with one person on the planet, he definitely comes up yeah, in the conversation. So um, definitely adapts to him. And then the World Cup 2026. World Cup, we won. We won. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. To yeah, host. <laughs> to host. Right. No, but it's we're already qualified. So that counts <laughs> at least. Right? Well, wait, no, so wait. Question, though, because you are you are the of the four of us here, maybe the biggest soccer guy. I know Alex is also, but – it is. It is not necessarily a host nation thing, right? It's North America, right? So does that mean three teams get in? So Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. are so like they've already but locked up their spots. Break. So Mark Schmidt, close out. All right, sweet. <laughs> so the right. So all three are, are automatically qualified, but it's also expanding. The they're, they're uh, making okay. the World Cup there bigger. You go. So uh, um, what is it? To 40, 48? 48 teams. I would guess. Yeah, I think. All right. Around there. Um. And so, and the World Cup starts. Forty two. Tomorrow. Tom- the actual Yeah. By this time tomorrow, we will have had one game in the books. Russia. It's like a play. Saudi game. Arabia. Yummy. That's gross. Juicy. But Friday, loaded Ooh, with good matches. Man. Yep. Get excited. We people. have to we have to wake up early, boys. Five o'clock game. <laughs> I don't know that I'm feeling good enough to come into work on Friday. I think I got the <laughs> black lung pop. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm That's starting awesome. to feel some, some that, stomach pains. Right I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the for the future of soccer again. You know, yes. we did we didn't make the World Cup, but Morocco was actually kind of sneaking up on the US, Canada, Mexico bid and Getting nervous there for a little bit. I thought FIFA was going to corrupt it up. Well, again. look, the the best the best host country and the best package doesn't necessarily always win. Let's yeah. just look at Qatar right now. <laughs> what a disaster! What a disaster! So kudos to FIFA, I guess. I guess kind of for, for once. Yeah, sure. sure. Only only because we won. Yep. So there you go. Uh, so James, go to step out because he had a bathroom break. But we're going to wrap this one up for Sully behind the glass for James Coe for the Wizkid from Wisconsin. I am MG. My guy? Marcus Grant. See you in this NFL Fantasy Live podcast. See you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.